Hey everyone, welcome back to In The Mix with Myla. So, let's get into it. I hope everyone's having a good week. I know I am. The weeks are flying by so fast. Summer is around the corner and I'm super, super excited. So, um, yeah, and even that, TV content-wise, you know, the fall season shows are pretty much wrapped up and now we're into the spring-summer mix shows. So I have all that to get into very, very soon. In this episode, it's just going to be like, you know, my reality TV recaps as per usual. But I am going to start off with some pop culture highlights. But they're all in the realm of reality TV just because I think uh, there's just so much content where reality TV is concerned. And if you're into that milieu, you can totally relate to what I'm saying. But again, there's niches, right? So for me now, I think I'm going to focus on this particular topic at hand and... uh, I definitely think it's a topic that I will continue to revisit because I said I'm going to make this podcast about pop culture, reality TV uh, content, content that is in the entertainment world in general. And then, of course, you know, some more like, uh, let's see, hot takes, if you will. I've heard that term uh, used on a a various uh, podcasts that I love to tune into, especially in the um bachelor nation world so two of my favorite podcasts actually three of my favorite podcasts in the bachelor nation franchise happens to be uh talking it out with mike johnson and brian abasolo then there is um clickbait with uh tia booth uh natasha parker and joe amabe i'm so pronouncing that wrong it's an italian uh last name so i know i definitely made it sound like it was french but i grocery store joe for those of you who know i'm talking about and of course uh bachelor happy hour with becca kufrin and uh, michelle young so i love the fact that they do kind of hot takes rose and thorns you know hit or misses just giving their uh points of view given on all things relatable like relatable content i think it's just um a great process to kind of dive into that so as the weeks go on i definitely will get into more like topics like that make them center focus on that and only that where i won't necessarily do a reality tv recap or whatever else that i'm watching in that moment it, it won't be uh any pop culture highlights reality tv it'll be just solely that topic kind of like i what i had dedicated one of my very first more serious toned uh podcast dealing with uh the gun violence issues in the u.s and that tying into mental health awareness because i feel like there should be some episodes that are really just curated to like just those focused topics that i find that are very near and dear to me important and uh, get the conversation going you know it's just something that's important to like bring awareness to whatever it may be so in that regard i was talking about mental health awareness super important topic and something that's near and dear to my heart and then i would also have other topics that i would various various other topics that i would continue to talk about so moving right along i'm going to get into uh my topic this week is going to be authenticity in reality tv i think for me making sure to uh tread lightly when i say this because i'm sure there's many people that would take and take offense to it especially if they're in the reality tv world now i don't know that any reality tv stars listen to my podcast it's fairly new it's not that publicized and i checked the analytics recently of my podcast and how it's doing and it seems that my listeners average between the age of i think it was uh was it 25 to 40 
uh years of age uh female based of course not a surprise and um mainly based in canada so my goal is to hopefully you know spread the news spread the awareness you know on my socials and uh word of mouth of course and uh hopefully getting um guests on to continue pushing the message out there and uh yeah letting everyone kind of get in on on what i'm saying because i feel like i have a lot to say it's my personal yet just point of view kind of diary and i just want to like dive into all those topics so back to the topic at hand um i don't know what your guys thoughts are on the authenticity rather of reality tv but i will say that in the milieu of uh you know uh, a lot of the latest content that's out there in terms of like competition based shows especially dating competition based shows so maybe i could just uh sum it up by saying um my two favorite types of reality tv um content is definitely reality um um I have to use this lightly quote-unquote reality tv in the lives of you know average people that you know that have not necessarily there isn't any notoriety to begin with and that gets confusing and i'll get into that in a bit but i guess that's it reality tv of average people like myself uh you know that have no celeb status notoriety and then they kind of you know that kind of just kind of circled in for them being on these shows and it kind of just blew up you know what i mean they started off as being quote-unquote nobodies and then be they become somebodies so i know that that's across the board for everybody in terms of when we're coming up in this world we're nobodies until we're somebodies but to compare reality tv stars to like actors and actresses in the business that are like we know high rated top tier you know we just got, came off the johnny depp versus amber heard trial amber heard genuinely speaking i didn't know about amber heard until this case but uh johnny depp i mean this man's uh, a legend in his own right you have you know big names meryl streep mel gibson oh my god viola davis uh oh my goodness there's so many george clooney you know uh uh tom cruise um oof. uh and hathaway uh you know julia roberts there's some notable people and then you have the reality tv celebs that don't even surmount to that so the idea is what i enjoy about the reality tv uh milieu that they have going on now that's really just kind of blown up in the last i'd say the better span of the last two decades that's two decades yeah two decades ish because i feel like the first of the first of the reality tvs were the osbournes and uh real world right uh if you guys know those um i'm assuming everyone knows those reality tvs uh segments and those yeah I, I feel like it was the millennium that it blew up so now that we're in the 2020s respectively 2022 for the last 22 years i do i can i can comfortably think i could say that the reality tv submergence has just grown exponentially in those last two decades prior to the millennium not quite sure don't know when real world started i'd have to do my research and you guys can always correct me but um yeah i mean i really think that that's it that's where that content kind of you know grew so to say the, you know i'm trying to remember my train of thought with this i'm so sorry uh yeah to kind of circle back um 
average people like you and me and then putting themselves into those kind of realms so we get to see the day in the life of said average person and then eventually obviously um you have to like them they have to be likable they have to be relatable in order for you to kind of for them rather to gain that following get that interest in them like have people have be like actually interested in them and then you know they they grow their their popularity grows their notoriety grows i can never say that it would be on the level of like your highest paid actors and actresses in in our day and day in life today or in the world in history but you know they make a name for themselves and like you're talking about them and you and you know you could have some good feedback good knowledge that to me is the makings of a great reality tv star because they're relatable um they try to be their authentic selves and even if they're playing quote-unquote i think that's also that real weird juxtaposition of that they're playing a character i mean essentially you could say that because i do think that in order for you to be interesting there has to be an quote-unquote over the topness that you bring to the table that really you know engages the audience so to speak especially an audience where they're trying to see themselves through your eyes and then they're relatable in that sense and um there's an entertainment factor because it goes hand in hand to have a good scripted reality tv show or unscripted i think it's a bit of both but i digress um you need to be uh you need to be relatable and you need to be entertaining if you don't have those two pieces i'm not watching you or let alone i don't really have that much of an interest and i could safely say when i think of like you know the kardashians the osbournes uh all the people that came on the real world you know uh, just to name a few like those up and coming ones uh the simple life mind you those people simple life paris hilton nicole richie they're pretty relevant but that social light aspect you know they had that but i do think having the tv show kind of made them quote-unquote more relatable just given the fact of what the simple life was about if you guys know you'd have to go look it up i'm not going to get into the simple life but just to say these people on these shows they become relatable let alone the real housewives and when that franchise started in orange county these people became relatable because they were interesting and they had the entertainment factor and value and then you know as it goes with the reality tv world if you have franchises that so there's m- many different um s- uh, segments of your show so across different parts of the world uh specifically i focus on reality tv content that airs uh in the u.s because that's where it's kind of branched out with orange county um what was it that um the content's there like you know the 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 engaging content is um it it brings you in it pulls you in it hooks you in you know um and those from the one that i mentioned the osbournes the kardashians whatever they're the ones that really kind of laid the foundation paved the way to kind of make the reality tv what it is today for sure i have to give my they have to give the flowers or the flowers are needing to be given they they all of them the osbournes real world and the kardashians and uh, nicole richie paris hilton on the simple life they definitely paved that reality tv way for sure even uh competition shows so i said dating competition that really interested me then there is like the whole artsy arts and entertainment version of a competition so we're talking about dance competitions like so you think you can dance singing competitions like back in the day the ogs of the ogs being star search american idol uh you know then we have uh we take uh you know more like um game show competitions i guess so to speak like uh big brother and the challenge and uh fear factor 
and then we go the route of what other i said dating i said um you know uh day in the life or yeah day in the lives of um competitions in various ways all that to say when we circle back to what it is for it to have that authentic factor it needs to feel that way when it's forced it feels very produced you kind of it gets lost in the sauce type of deal like you know just to explain that expression that what the producers are trying to like captivate to the audience you end up losing it it ends up being very theatrical and it might as well just be like an hour-long movie short film if you will like a, a hallmark film as opposed to like a tv show that spans like i don't know anywhere between like what the, the average reality tv show spans call it i'm gonna take a nice round number like 15 okay F- like about 15 episodes and it's like oh my god 15 episodes of this content is just i can't if it's if you don't cook me in the first two three episodes i you'll lose me and i could definitely say there's definitely shows that i've tried and i'm just like why so I know a lot of people think that reality TV is also trash because it feels very overproduced and fake. And I can totally agree and relate that there are some that just don't bring it. It's like one of those things that it just feels pure trash. There's uh, It definitely feeds like a certain audience i know that i've I've been able to get you know certain people pulled into the reality tv component like my boyfriend joey it's very interesting i know he wouldn't be one to really engage in the reality tv i've got him i've got him sort of hooked not fully i know that's not his thing but i've got him kind of invested especially when he's watching it with me because what's great about watching a lot of these reality tv shows is that when they're relatable it opens up the floor for conversation and it could be great conversation my go-to reality tv watching person that i could like vibe with even though we're not in the same country let alone you know uh we're in the same continent not the same country sorry would be my girlfriend daisy so i go to her for like we watch a ton of reality tv shows uh, simultaneously but like you know obviously not physically together but simultaneously that we're like chatting up a storm about it like we are uh texting back and forth like crazy about like just like we have like our recap segments uh, in our text message so that's what makes having this podcast so fun is that i get to share a lot of those recaps that i would do with her or joey or on my socials with all with all y'all so it's it's a lot of fun so yeah so to dive into the topics of reality TV, um, the MTV Awards this year actually did something a little different. I think it's probably their second year that they've done it, but I feel like the publicity behind it was a little bit more out there this year. Uh, the fact that they did an unscripted, uh, an unscripted um, ceremony for the reality TV stars. So they gave out uh, MTV Awards to those stars, the popcorn, if you guys are familiar with what the MTV Awards uh, consist of. So it's usually movie and television awards, but now they did an unscripted component to give the reality TV stars and shows a fair shot at actually getting some, I guess, more notoriety for what they produce out there. Aside from just the fan base, there's a recognition of winning an award there is something to be said about winning an award and quite frankly i think maybe between the mtv uh and the uh was it the teen choice awards would probably be the only the only award like shows that would actually give them you would never find 
like the chances of a reality tv show winning an emmy i mean someone correct me if i'm wrong i don't know that there's too many that win emmys maybe the producers themselves but and that i don't know i'd have to do my research but i think for a, a, um, a reality tv show it being the mtv awards and scripted and maybe the teen choice award i don't know if the people's choice counts i don't even know if the people's choice is an award so i feel like it is but the teen choice awards although a lot of reality tv may or may not be i feel like there you'll find a lot of teens watching a lot of this reality tv content which is interesting because i know when i was a teenager even though that a lot of these shows were on that was not something i was interested in at all like zero interest in watching reality tv i also grew up as a teenager when this was like kind of well eh. It was on the up and up. So there were a few reality TV shows that I could watch. I could say that I, I watched, but they were more, I guess they were like, yeah. So when I say the arts and entertainment base, I was a big heavy fan watching of American Idol back in the day. So you think you can dance America's next top model. Huh? My guilty pleasure was a flavor of love with flavor Flav with the clock around his neck. That if you guys know what the keys from, is it naughty by nature? think i don't know no yes i don't know oh my god don't quote me flavor flav that's it and um a shot of love with tila tequila oh my god so like when i have the guilty pleasures and then you know the real like ones like i said so you think you can dance america's uh, next top model and american idol those were probably like my go-to um go to a reality tv shows and then with my grandmother i started watching dancing with the stars a lot so yeah you know touch and go i wasn't really into uh, any of the other content until i guess it really kind of i got older and those things became more relatable in a sense of i can understand the conversations that um that are being had on that the interest was more i was still in my whole like teen drama phase like uh, gossip girl and the oc and um and pretty little liars that was kind of my realm at the time so now i've kind of switched gears i still watch uh crime dramas and any kind of well crime drama is probably my my go-to along with reality tv but i do like me a good drama so if i find a good drama on tv you have me zoned in and hooked 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 like right now i have this obsession with chicago fire thank you daisy <laughs> for recommending it and my colleague mark at work but uh yeah i mean chicago fire is great for those of you who uh know dick wolf he's the executive producer of the show i want to say he might be the creator too but it's a dick dick wolf entertainment world of shows so i'm a huge 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 law and order fan especially law and order um svu with mershka hargitay and uh now chicago fire i'm gonna try and get on chicago pd2 before the fall seasons uh resume back but uh, yeah, the content there, very, very good. So I do like me a good drama for TV and then my reality TV component, which we're gonna get back to. So yeah, with that being said, um, I'm not a big MTV uh, watcher, really. There are a few shows that I watch on it. So I don't think any of the shows that I watch even got nominated or they might've been nominated, but didn't win any awards. So it's, it, it's kind of irrelevant for me. And for me, winning an mtv award if you're like um and a well-known actor actress just doesn't really cut it anymore when i think of like uh some of the stuff that i heard like you know there were like these big well-named movies that got nominated at the mtv awards 
like um i'm even trying to think i don't even know but like you'd have like the top of the top like cream of the crop big big blockbuster hit movies in these categories being nominated and then something that was kind of like not box office trying to find the politest way to put it would win the award so i'm having a hard time even really diving deep into the mtv awards my highlight really that i'm taking away from the fact that they had um an unscripted portion of the of the mtv awards ceremony that i was really intrigued by was the fact that um i got to see a lot of the reality stars that i like so i did not watch it uh from beginning to end i actually um pvr'd it and kind of skimmed through the the two-hour segment that it was i'm a huge huge fan of Tasha adams from uh the bachelor bachelor um nation franchise she was on the bachelor 2 on um i believe it was colton season of the bachelor and then she became the bachelorette as well and she's kind of just stayed relevant since she also hosted two seasons of the bachelorette as well back to back with michelle young and katie thurston season so it's been really interesting to kind of see her and like i liked her already from day one when she stepped on the scene in the bachelor nation world so it was really cool to see her host it and kind of see all her fashion outfit changes that she did so that was exciting for me uh outside from that um bethany frankel from the real housewives of new york um won her kind of like the equivalent of a lifetime achievement award that you would win in the uh entertainment world of award shows uh got that kind of recognition and won an award for that at the unscripted ceremony so that was pretty cool i'm a i'm a a bethany frankel fan i've loved her on her time on uh, real housewives in new york and now she's a businesswoman in so many ways always been from my understanding i listened to her podcast to just be so uh you know she's definitely stepped up uh her a name for herself i do think the real housewives of new york platform definitely helped her become uh more relevant with that regard so it was nice to see all that come full circle for her even though she is uh she's been not on um the franchise for a while and i don't think she plans to ever return from what uh many sources including herself seem to have kind of concluded to but it's really nice to see bethany frankel win that award and then um yeah but i have to say out of everything the fashions were cool seeing like you know the real housewives of beverly hills cast on there uh their fashion to me and wouldn't say i loved everyone's outfits i can't say that there was someone that i figured was super super best dressed i think i would probably give my best dressed award to the cast of real houses of beverly hills to dorit kemsley she usually never misses i love her fashion she's the fashionista queen of that franchise for sure so uh in terms of the real housewives of beverly hills anyway the beverly hills portion so i think i'd give it to her for the best dress the rest not so much uh i also heard that i think it was page six i think tamra judge had said on um the two t's in a pod podcast with uh, her and teddy mellencamp that uh i think pretty much all the real housewives were on the worst dress list which is sad because i really like dorit's outfit and tamra's was cute uh tamra judge from real housewives of orange county former real housewives i should say and former um housewife of beverly hills teddy mellencamp their outfits were both super cute i just feel like you know i don't know they weren't great but they looked good i thought they looked decent for me it was still dorit that had the best of the best of fashion and i'd say tamra and and teddy in their respective outfits look good the 
neon seemed to be the running occurring theme if it wasn't neon it was black at the uh ceremony at the award show so maybe it was the mashup of all the colors and just there wasn't that synchronicity uh maybe that's why i don't know but like in terms of fashion a lot of misses unfortunately for a lot of people that attended i think really who served in terms of their outfits and also pretty much sweeped up so many awards that night would be the cast of selling sunset season this season i mean honestly in attendance i believe was obviously chriselle staus uh, emma hernan um who else was there heather uh, 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 Davina and I think Chelsea and then the twins the Oppenheim uh, Oppenheim twins so Brett and Jason and uh, with oh and Mary of course and Mary is what was there as well I think Vanessa might be there don't quote me the only people that weren't in attendance were um were uh, Amanda and Christine which again very disappointed more so for Christine than anything else because Christine Quinn is a freaking legend for the show like I really don't understand how, um, you know, from what I understood, uh, because she was on a podcast, it was uh, Alex Cooper's podcast called Her Daddy. She ended up saying a lot of like really negative things about the uh, producer, Adam Devella, who was also the producer of uh, The Hills and um, said that, um, you know, he really curates um, having like that fake storyline concept especially for those of you who know how the hills ended it was like i think it was Kristen calvillary and uh uh brody jenner kind of it was a scene with them and i think it was ending and then the show actually ends like series finale dun 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 and then they pull the screen away and it goes to like a green screen like it, it was like a part like a this picture image montage of like it might have been Brody or 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 Kristen, maybe something like that, or Lauren Conrad. I can't remember who driving off into quote unquote the Palm Beach of of uh, of where they are in the hills, and then they the the producer production company pulls away the screen and it's freaking green screen. So knowing that and it being Adam Develo producing now selling Sunset and that franchise kind of booming because now they have. Um, selling tampa and selling the oc you know she did she talked she was very open and candid christine on the call her daddy podcast and kind of gave us a really good insight a really good scoop on the fact that um you know um a lot of it is fabricated on selling said this is her it's quoting her and um uh, he's also Adam Develo, the producer, has also been known to be um, uh, verbally abusive and uh, a lot of like sexual misconduct charges and allegations. I don't know if he's ever been charged, but I'll say allegations. So let me retract the charging part. So he's uh, even not allowed to be on set when the women are on set in Selling Sunset. I've heard that on, in the Hills cast, there's been some problematic issues too, according to um, the Hills star Heidi Montag. So I think there's a lot to be said with the fact that she had had those feelings. Uh, MTV had apparently reached out to sending an invite to her, but because of the slanderous remarks that Christine had made against uh, Develo, it seemed like the powers that be that he has, he was able to get her disinvited to the uh, award show. So I think that's like honestly it's terrible because 
I can't even imagine what season six and seven are gonna look like without Christine because as if you for those of you who don't know sorry if I spoiled it for you spoiler alert spoiler alert but uh Christine pretty much has announced that she has uh, left the Oppenheim group. She is opening up her own uh, retail, retail business, uh, retail, real, realting. I can't say the word. Wow. Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, her own brokerage. Thank you. Her own business, brokerage business with her husband, Christian, and um, getting that underway. So she won't be a part of the Oppenheim group. So the big question mark is, because Selling Sunset is very circulated around the Oppenheim group, the brothers, the ladies uh, on there, the uh, real estate agents on there, and that brokerage in particular, where does she? Where do we see her in the mix? So, uh, also, I think Maya wasn't there in attendance as well, but Maya's been in and out of Miami, and she started her own brokerage too in Miami as well. So, I see. I think that's a, that's pretty much why she wasn't in attendance and. Maya's kind of been like she kind of gives me reoccurring uh, cast member vibes for the show, so that's probably why she wasn't in attendance. Uh, but Christine, Christine Quinn not being there is like it was. I was very like, especially because Selling Sunset sweeped up so much awards. I will give Kershaw uh, the fact that she won Best Reality uh, TV Star. That would be separate from Christine. But like her and Christine were nominated for an award for best fight, uh, you know, selling Sensa in and of itself. I don't know if I feel like they won. Yes, they won an award collectively for I don't know if it was best reality TV show. I can't remember what the award winning was for, but they had won a uh, award for being the uh, cast that they are as the whole cast and crew. So it's it just makes no sense to me because Christine's good TV like, you know. So which ties into the fact that I had said in terms of the authenticity of the show, uh, you know, we know that Selling Sunset's about, you know, uh, real estate agents with these amazing, gorgeous listings in and around um, California and the Sunset, I guess, strip. But I feel like it extends off of different parts of um, L.A., essentially. That's what I, I, I gather anyway. Um, to these top-notch clients, very like obviously like uh lucrative clients if you will and all the drama that happens in and around the office and then in their own lives you know respectively and then from what christine had shared on the call her daddy podcast it really kind of you know it made you question everything it's a podcast i highly recommend you guys go listening into especially if you're fans of selling sunset sunset excuse me and you're a fan of christine quinn or just hearing her part, her side of the story, because I just found it very interesting to get that perspective, that narrative. And what's so great about these podcasts is that you can just listen to it without reading like a ser- like tons and tons of articles and pages online or like fishing through social media. Just listen to it, plug in your earphones, have it playing in the background on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, um, you know, get the real... I'd like to say the real scoop because I felt like a lot of what Christine said was very believable in that regard. The stuff with Adam DeVello, I mean, I won't speak on if that's real or not. That's what she's sharing. The fact that Chriselle had shouted out Adam DeVello when she did win her award gives that contradicting vibe. But we also know that Chriselle and Christine 
hardly ever see eye to eye on anything so who's to say you know what's true what's not true about that the fact that Heidi Montag had spoken to that same effect that Christine was sharing that there are kind of sexual misconduct and sketchy uh verbally aggressive verbally abusive things that he has done like apparently to Christine uh just to give some more context had apparently told her to go kill herself I mean that's just non-tolerable so if that ends up at some point coming to light that it is factual and true i mean i feel like all bets are off i guess it's like kind of i don't know if like again if these cast members sign ndas so they can't speak upon it the cast that is actually filming because the fact that christine christine kind of said that she's still interested in continuing on in the selling sunset world but it'd have to be obviously a very different kind of show since she's not working at the office it'd be very interesting for her to even see if that's even remotely an opportunity because she essentially badmouthed this man the producer and creator of the show i can't imagine he'd want to have her back but if it does end up being true like i said you know context is everything uh, you know again this is christine's perspective there hasn't been anybody on the cast that's kind of supported what she said so it'd be very very intriguing to know what's to come of that but the fact that they also have selling the oc coming i had watched tampa to me i wasn't super in love with tampa it felt very um it's hard when you come into second place from like the og show being selling sunset and then you have all these other like um um installments in the franchise it does make it hard to kind of compete although the oc the trailer that we got for the oc that they've already released seems very very entertaining it kind of gives me og selling sunset vibes so the fact that tampa didn't really nail it tampa had some good moments but it didn't really it didn't really serve the way it needed to become serving you know what i mean so um with the oc now it's gonna be very interesting especially because the um the, the the brokers in for oc are still the oppenheim brothers it is still brett and jason so for me i feel like that's why the oc was giving the same energy and the same level in the in in the trailer that sunset gives because it's a part of the same uh house of people um not to mention i also heard that um Heather works at both. I think she works at both the OC and um, Sunset. So if we get a little bit of a crossover with her, it'll be interesting. We'll see Jason and Brett. That'll be interesting too. So it, already with the crossover of there, it, it has the potential to be very, very inter interesting. Not to mention the real estate agents that they did show in the trailer seem to bring the drama right out of the gate. So stay tuned for that if you guys are a fan of the selling, uh, the selling franchise um but yeah so my overall opinion of you know the authenticity if you will of reality tv before i get into my um my real housewives recaps would be that like i said i feel like i have to tread lightly when i say that um it's quote-unquote there is a production value to it like i said it has to be relatable and entertaining so if it's not one of the two it just to me it doesn't i don't even know how it gets off the ground there has to be something or just maybe the the level at which um the publicity for it is out there will also i feel like it will either help or hinder the show's success a show success of any kind any magnitude so when I talk about, you know, the fact that, um, what was it? Um, 
reality tv stars you know they're not on the level of any uh actor and actress although what's interesting to get back to a point that i made early is that i think for example what andy cohen's initial view i think for the show and the producers at bravo's original like concept for for example the real the real housewives of of let's say in this case orange county being the first installment in the franchise their goal was to get like you know housewives like women ordinary um you know non-famous people to show a day in the life of and like the fact that they have you know some wealth i guess kind of helps because we had to kind of dive into their lives and see what they're working with the the money the 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 maybe the local fan like local uh not fandom but the local um the local celebrity of it all you know some of these people are might be well known they might have really lucrative businesses so we got to see a bit of a side of that but then when the tables kind of turn and then you start adding uh you know like for example in beverly hills we have lisa rinna we've had denise richards we have garcelle bouvet uh we have kyle richards um it's it it's hard because I mean, if any of you guys know any of the women I just mentioned, I know that each of the women I just mentioned are uh, actresses first. Before there was a Real Housewives or when of Beverly Hills, let alone uh, the franchise, these women are old enough that their careers stem from their acting time. Whether they're still acting or or have taken a pause, that's the world. For Lisa Rinna, I think her biggest thing is one of, for me, she's one of the OG soap opera actresses that people know, like highly notable. Like we're talking like Susan Lucci level notable, like as... Um, you know, as uh, Erica Erica Kane might be that from All My Children, I think. I'm quoting that right. But Lisa, my God, then Denise Richards, same thing. Like she's, we know Denise Richards as she's always kind of quote unquote known as being that like that hot girl in a lot of them and a lot of like, you know, movies and TV shows and things like that. Uh, Garcelle, you know, she's uh, come up, you know, definitely in uh in my vision my version of black hollywood when you have like the jamie fox show you know and her appearances on things like the fresh prince of bel-air and whatnot i mean to say that i wouldn't say that they're high level actor actresses rather but the thing is a lot of these people are notable so the thing is is that because they have acting backgrounds do they overproduce when they're on shows that are reality tv based it kind of lends the hand that just maybe i think in all of the franchises if i'm not mistaken of the real housewives um i want to say i think and then anyone can correct me if i'm wrong but i think beverly hills is the only one that actually has uh people that are kind of that worse like of celebrity status even before joining the franchise so it ends up kind of trying to figure out if it if it's like manufactured or produced you know it ends up being uh that blurred line for a lot of people especially when um you have several seasons of a show especially like for example like the competition based shows like dating competition based shows um like the bachelor let's take that and you see a lot of um a lot of seasons that unfold people watch it tune in and then maybe they themselves uh audition to go on and actually get on you have a lot of conflicting moments where 
is this real is it fake are these people really trying to find love are they just looking for the clout so it ends up becoming this real juxtaposition of how much is it produced and how much of it is um genuine and real and it's for me i'm gonna say it like this sum it up I do think that a lot of reality TV is real. There is a component that is real because first of all, these are real people. They're not paid actors and actresses in to a certain extent. Again, like I said, we'll, we'll leave out the Beverly Hills Housewives that I mentioned earlier out of the equation, but for the rest of the franchise and the rest of the, the, rest of the reality TV world, especially like competition shows like Big Brother and you know uh, America's Next Top Model, things like that. A lot of these people, that's it. They're average Joes, so to speak. Janes, if you will, to not be uh, completely, um, to be gender neutral or even non-binary. Like, you know, um, they're average Joes, Janes people that, um, you know, started off with like no, no background of any which way and then find themselves, you know, in that, in that world, in that milieu and become something so then you see that and then it's like you're sitting at home maybe watching them on tv being like "Ooh, i want to be that and then in order to be that you feel like there's a certain criteria that you need to meet and then i guess that's where it starts to blur the lines of how authentic are you actually being are you are your authentic self or is it just for show kind of gets a little bit hard to follow a little bit blurry and you can't help but um question you know what i mean so wow i've been speaking for so long on the authenticity part i will get right into the reality uh the reality tv recap and share it with you guys um this might be a little bit over um an hour so i apologize for those of you um, that were like, when is she going to get to the reality TV recaps? I'm getting into it now, especially um, my Real Housewives recap. So I gave you guys a little bit of my whole point of view on the authenticity part. I think it's a term that needs to be treaded lightly. However, um, I do think there is a component that is real because these people are real. They're real people letting us into their lives. And the great, the craziest part about it is that we see this on TV, but you have to know when the cameras stop rolling, it's off our television screens. We have these platforms called social media like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, what have you, Reddit, uh, that allow these people to continue these conversations. Now we've hooked in, we've zoned in onto their lives on these shows and it stems off camera. It stems out of the show. It stems out of the 45 minute to an hour segment that we watched on TV week after week, uh, you know, uh, over a two, three month span uh, per year. So you have to realize that these people are people at the end of the day and people have feelings and it, it you know, they're impacted by those things. So you can't help but, you know, feel that there has to be some genuine component of it i mean i think of i think one of the best examples that i can think of of you know people and their feelings would be like the cast of jersey shore i i know for a fact that these guys got ridiculed when they first stepped on the scene in terms of like these random six seven strangers sharing a shore i think they were six at the time strangers sharing a shore house uh for the summer kind of deal getting jobs at the jersey shore and kind of partying and showing like how they interact it's kind of like a summer camp type of vibe 
but with you know 20 something year old year olds at that time in, in in 2010 and what life was like then for them and you know trying to share that like milieu all of them being from jersey never really having met except for what we end up finding out uh, at some point in 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 the show's time that it was on and still on but you know the spinoff being jersey shore family vacation that angelina and uh Vinny actually knew each other grew up in the same area let alone very very close by i don't know if they went to the same schools or whatever but they knew of each other so you know these are ordinary average people when they came on the scene i don't think any of us knew who they were unless you knew them personally obviously so it definitely lended itself to, you know, becoming what it is, seeing them party, have jobs, do this thing for summers. That's what summer people do, get jobs, party, have fun in your 20s, you know. So um, the thing is, though, with the concept what the, of what that was and the fact that they would act, quote unquote, trashy, classless, uh, you know, just get crazy, get wild as the LMFAO theme song for the show goes um that's exactly what they did so of course people had an opinion about it oh this is trash tv it's no good it's gonna flop or whatever may have you we're talking oh my god we're talking over a decade and some later they're extremely relevant today with their spinoff of jersey shore family vacation it goes without saying that um they're they're definitely the real deal now so with that being said they i think like to think they gave us a real portrayal of what their lives were like and everyone obviously has an opinion share those opinion when you know 2010 is when it started so that's when uh the social media platforms were really like blowing up i feel like reddit's kind of been around that in that time too but twitter was becoming really relevant uh facebook had a few years under its belt so people were definitely giving their opinion blogs were a thing so they really you know people shared their opinion this got back to them ratings i'm sure all of these things to kind of be like these people are like pure trash whatever the case may be and i think there is it goes without saying that the the component that all of these people have in common on the show that they're either full or part italian so i do remember growing up um especially in my my um well yes okay well so to speak um my close group of friends aside from one my best friend jacinta you know are of italian uh italian lineage so I could imagine how they would feel, let alone what I've heard, not necessarily from my friend group, but more so from just people talking about it. There is an element when you add cultural norms to a show like that, that, you know, kind of rubs people the wrong way. So it goes without saying that they they were getting like, like not reprimanded, but to a certain extent, it's embarrassing, you know, so uh these people's lives all this to say have definitely gotten gotten greatly you know impacted by it whether it was negative or positive clearly it works because the show was on for six successful seasons and then they end up going i think we're going into season four of their spin-off of family vacation so there is something to be said if i say the name snooki jaywow um uh, the situation Polly d or dj Polly d rather uh, you know uh vinnie guadagnino uh ronnie you know who i'm talking about sammy sweetheart 
Angelina, Dina, you you know these names and it goes without saying. As much as love them, hate them, you know who they are. They are real human beings that started off as average Joe and Janes and look at where they are now. So all that to say, I do think that the authenticity of reality TV can absolutely be questioned, but you would be nuts to think that there isn't a component a level at which there is some real life truth to that so yeah i'm gonna take a quick break and i'll get back into my recaps of the the real housewives and we're back so real housewives recaps this week um so that's it let's start off with atlanta because we've taken a break a week uh, off from um the u.s having a memorial day weekend so atlanta was um uh postponed till uh, this past sunday that it just aired so i'll get into my recap of that so just my highlights a little bit of a highlight reel for you so we uh continue off with um uh the ladies are in new york for candy's uh play um what is it several several faces or several something of a black man several facets rather of a black man don't quote me on the title i know that's not it but it's something along those lines and uh we left off with the ladies having a uh a dinner i think uh a dinner their first night that they that they are in new york so um it just seems like a really long segment i hope in future bravo can stop giving um atlanta the short end of the stick by skipping uh weekends because i get it holiday weekend memorial day weekend but just maybe air it on a different day so we don't miss out because it's so hard to like catch up and get back into it if you've watched it like consecutively for two uh weeks in a row and then have it skip and then come back it's like ah drives me crazy because it just kind of gotta remember where they left off but all this to say, that's it. They're in New York now. They're having dinner. And I think one of my biggest things at that dinner, I could say, is that, you know, um, the ladies really get into it with this whole continuation of this Drew and Ralph uh, saga and drama that is uh, the questioning of their relationship. Again, circling back to the the, the title of uh, today's episode being that authenticness. I feel personally, Drew, that's, it, that's forever this if you will spin cycle as she's quoted in i think one of the episodes uh it's a spin cycle of uh confusion and it's a big question mark for me on her authenticity on the show again i said it's it's a loosely used word but for me whatever her and ralph are giving it isn't giving for some maybe they love her love to hate her i don't know but for me everything with drew is highly questionable the fact that drew came for sheree with the whole um assistant the fact that they kind of mutually shared this assistant but i think this assistant has become more of drew's assistant um than uh charade's it's kind of been in passing or for certain events and then she kind of let him go it's because it was like anna as an ad need kind of um service whereas uh he is kind of full-time for drew and then he's talking all mad smack about uh ralph and that relationship uh from my understanding yes uh again even this horrible horrible narrative 
about Ralph uh, allegedly being gay, which uh, for me, I definitely think it's a storyline that needs to like go away. We are 2022. The fact that we're making it seem like him even being gay, even though that that doesn't seem like it's the case, but regardless, using that of him being gay to be like some level of disgust is just, it's, it's asinine to me. It makes no sense. It's horrible because uh, that shouldn't be something that anyone should ever feel like they're less than or ashamed of of it like can we get with the program already like why are we using that as something to put a um a negative spin on a negative connotation on even if ralph was that okay like what would be the deal like maybe it would be a conversation that he'd have to have with drew in their marriage but i don't see anything wrong with anybody being gay let alone the fact that that's being used um as a negative so uh i really 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 highly recommend that bravo maybe try and see if you want to quite kind of quote unquote figure out what each of these housewives storylines are going to be season after season and that comes up before it even hits the production floor i'm sure they must have like a sit down conversation about what every housewife is going to be giving this season and if that's something we're going to really constantly continually continuously rather focus on let's not so all this to say, um, Drew and Ralph's relationship, we've never seen really any like wonderful moments. If the wonderful moments there, it, it lasts for like a millisecond and it just crashes and burns. They seem to have a very tumultuous um, relationship in marriage. A lot of things are put into question. Ralph even kind of being low-key faithful is clearly put into question after last season, Drew's first season, if I'm not mistaken, on the show, where um, Ralph was like uh, randomly taking these random uh, vacations, not letting Drew know, whatever. Now this season, the storyline with him and her is that um, he has this assistant that um, has offered to give him massages, and it's like... First of all, snooze festival storyline, okay? Let me just say that. Second of all, why on earth? They say if a person shows you their, who they are, believe them. And Ralph, I mean, maybe there is some iota of him being a good guy or a good father or whatever may have you. I don't know that Ralph is meant to be in a monogamous relationship. He doesn't strike me as that type based on the last two seasons, the season being included. I mean, we've already jumped off. This is what the third episode, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And yet everything's always put into question about Drew's marriage and them. Then they have this Dr. Ken uh, uh, person as their therapist. And then the advice that he gave them about this whole like being submissive to your partner I mean, I don't need to know about you being submissive in any which way. If you want to pick your lanes of where the submissiveness comes, great. I don't think that some of the, that's something that's not uh, um, rather advice that someone should ever be giving. <laughs> I don't think it's constructive to anything. To each their own. What you do behind closed doors is one thing, but a therapist or a professional rather giving you that kind of quote unquote constructive advice to help your marriage, red flag. I've heard of Dr. Ken before. I think he has been a therapist that has been used throughout um, 
the Atlanta franchise. So it's not he's not the first housewife to use him. And I mean, to say if those marriages worked out in the other people that he's used, I do not know. But for me, there are all kinds of wrong things with Drew and their and her marriage with Ralph. The advice that they're being, uh, you know, they're seeking after with this Dr. Ken therapist person. No shade, but a little bit of shade. Um, yeah, it's just not cool i love how kenya stepped up and gave uh kind of put ralph in his place a little bit because the way that ralph even talks to drew gaslighting 101 i mean without a doubt if you watch the episode you know what i'm talking about or several episodes with the segments with them on it uh you know from just even that like just verbally like verbally abusive and i mean verbally abusive i feel has like different stems but verbally abusive in the moist in the point rather that it kind of um kind of levels on emotional abuse the way he talks down to her talking about that he took he made these extravagant efforts i think in the last episode before this week's that he took her out to, uh, to this uh private rooftop dinner got her all dressed up sent her uh, sent uh, uh for her to have like a glam and got all dressed up for her to take her out to dinner the dinner went south right quick because again they have crazy tumultuous marital issues and then he has the audacity to tell her that oh i should have just given you lunchables at this point i didn't need to like fucking go out of my way for this dinner sorry for the f-bomb but yeah and i thought to myself again that's how you talk to your wife i mean there's all kinds of things wrong with this relationship, but I digress enough about the relationship. Uh, what else? Um, the uh, the whole drama with Drew and Sanya now, because of how Sanya kind of got in Sheree's face at Kenya's uh, daughter Brooklyn's um, uh, birthday party in the last the last two weeks episode or the last episode before this one. Like I said, it's all dicey because of the week gap. But um, the way um, Drew came for Sheree, had her hands all up in her face, snapping and clapping and all this stuff. That's how these women tend to get. They get to get rowdy and in your face and like, you know, kind of throwing shade with each other and whatever. I mean, all that to say is that it didn't really vibe with Sanya. Sanya being one of the new housewives that are uh, that are a part of the, the, the show this season. And... Um, Sanya and Drew have a sit down with all the other ladies at this pajama party fast forwarding a little bit into the episode that we just that just aired and um, decided to confront Drew about how she felt that like the way she handled Sheree sharing the information about her uh, their mutual assistant quote unquote um, saying all this stuff about uh, about her husband Ralph and all wasn't her kind of like vibe she didn't like that she felt like you know you know friends don't do that to other friends yada 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 for me first of all sanya is a newly new seasoned housewife maybe she doesn't know how these ladies roll but these ladies throw shade at each other they talk about each other's business they're all up in each other's business so sanya is new to that 
but i do agree with sanya's point on the level of disrespect about having your hands all up in someone's face you don't need to be in anyone's personal space to kind of make your point it's it's really not necessary so hands flying and gesturing i know a lot of people talk with their hands i'm one of them guilty as charged but you'll never see me put my hands up in someone's face to kind of get my point across or or um you know send a message so to speak because that's clearly what drew is doing i i i'm not that i'm not about that sanya is clearly not about that but that confession of sanya's at the pajama party with all the other ladies as she was kind of letting drew in on how she felt about that was the worst delivery in history talk about trying to tell someone your thoughts and feelings about you know something that you don't dis that you disagree you don't like the way um they handled that situation and it wasn't constructive and being very like discombobulated if you will that's the best way i'm gonna put it for sanya sorry sanya love ya she's one of my favorite uh housewives right now in atlanta just from her first few episodes she's she's giving what she needs to be giving however how she handled that conversation in confronting drew fell flat i mean all her thoughts and feelings about the whole thing were all over the place so if you know you know from watching the episode but it's just like i think candy even had said it like girl i think you should have came with notes before you address drew on your feelings towards uh this whole uh uh drew and charade drama so that was funny to watch but for me uh the two or three rather big takeaways for me was um again drew i think is like i think every housewife's installment has the person that like people come for the most and it's drew now this season a little bit of last season but mainly this season it is drew all these ladies are coming for drew and literally picking her apart with shade it's not like any kind of bullying in any kind of way god no but it's definitely the shade is heavy for drew being her boot camp that she launched oh my goodness i can't get enough of everyone that is shading this boot camp because this boot camp as kenya says it's giving ponzi scheme and for those of you who know about drew's new boot camp just to kind of allude to you there isn't anything to allude only lord and drew know what the hell is going on with this boot camp she has so many ideas it's like all these thoughts all these like concepts for this boot camp i mean i know that the goal the main focus from what she shared is that it's supposed to encourage people to lose weight shed weight shed pounds quickly in a quick span of time you think it was something about it's called drop it with drew and it's something about lose 10 20 30 pounds in a certain amount of days now mind you can't remember the, the exact amount of days so don't quote me on that you have to do your research but the amount of days that she's saying that you can lose all this weight is to me the most unhealthy thing you could possibly do it's giving kim kardashian losing weight for the met gala marilyn monroe moment and i'm not even gonna dive into that i'll save that maybe for a future segment because it is something that i want to talk about but i digress if you know you know but um again at a healthy approach an unhealthy approach to losing weight again Another thing that I think one of the, the the real one of the ladies had touched upon, or I think I might have heard it on the Mention It All podcast from ba Bravo by Betches, that um, when you're a housewife, especially as I had said in my er earlier uh, part of the podcast, is that when it's a reality uh, 
um, Real Housewives installment and it's kind of that reality TV component of a day in the life of this individual. We want to know all about this individual, what their quote unquote claim to fame is, what what drives them. Like we get to know what like the different businesses are. For example, like, you know, Lisa Vanderpump, a former housewife of Beverly Hills. You know, we knew that her whole thing with her husband is being a restaurateur. Like that's her thing. She has uh, she has Pump. She has Villa Blanca. She has uh, Sir. Like we know that going in that that's her thing. So it'd be crazy to hear now that uh, Lisa is gonna start a workout video. Not saying she can't do it, but I think all this to say is kind of stay in your lane. Drew, for those of us who know Drew Sador off the show. Her whole thing is she's an actress, so to speak. She's been on notable things like Step Up and um, and uh, That's So Raven, the Disney TV show with Raven Simone, and uh, The Game, the TV show on, uh, I think it's I think it was on BET and maybe another UPN, I think it might have been back in the day, called The Game with, uh, um, with Tia, Marjorie, Tia Maori Hadrick and Pooch Hall, for those of you who know The Game. So she's had some like, you know, notable moment. And apparently she has a singing career too that I didn't know of until the show, <laughs> this show being the Housewives of Atlanta. But I know her from being in some some film and TV things. So for her to now switch gears and do this weight loss thing, not saying again, anyone could do a weight loss program and boot camp and whatever, but when your ideas are all over the place, because she said that she has boot camps only based in Chicago. When she lives in Atlanta, she doesn't have boot camps in Atlanta. Yes, her hometown Chicago, but girl, you don't live there anymore. She always like Chi Town represent. That's great. Rep where you come from. But if you're gonna start a business, you would think at least start a business where you're at. To start a boot camp business remotely, I get it if it was the sake of, you know, quarantine times. But the fact that your whole business seems to be like outsourced to different, to, apparently she has several camps in and around Chicago or let alone the state of Illinois. I'm not quite sure. Don't quote me, but she's nothing based out in Atlanta. A lot of these workout components are, are at home. She added a, I think there is a component of um, meal planning and check-ins and all the things that, you know, come with creating this business but like she couldn't even give us the audience a bit of intel on her whole boot camp process so uh let alone how are we supposed to even understand it the best part of it all is that uh, she's had all these kinds of health issues with her body and recently got a mommy makeover so for those of you who don't know the mommy makeover they kind of nip and tuck certain things in the right spaces and i know there was a lot of focus that was talked about on her stomach she i don't believe she might have gotten a tummy tuck and the idea is that she was heavier set i guess so to speak before the tummy tuck she's had two kids i believe had this mommy makeover and now she created this weight loss program and all that anyone I think could just kind of sum it up is that how did you just get a, a, a mommy makeover with this and one of the things being this tummy tuck and then telling people that they could lose the weight like that. It, it It's very conflicting. It just doesn't land well and it's just everything with Drew bothers me. So I think it's also coming from that place for me personally as I give my point of view and recap of 
everything having to do with Drew's uh, drop it with Drew bootcamp, it's it's a flop in my opinion. And what she does with regards to that between this bootcamp thing and the issues in her marriage, I know people have issues in their marriage, but the fact that a you're putting those two things on TV for all of us to see, and it's it's scary it's just all around scary the boot camp concept is scary because as kenya said it's giving ponzi scheme and the uh, marital issues that she's having they're just it's a lot of being in denial so maybe she needs to seek out something all of us fans i'm sure have spoken about it and shared it with her on the socials platforms but then it's like when it's up to that person rather to to, to kind of listen and take the advice and run home with it or not so yeah things with drew don't sit well with me at all it's a very big question mark on that one and people say that because of what she's giving to the to the show this season it makes for a good storyline it makes for good tv but she's not my favorite atlanta housewife that's been on that's for damn sure i will say that and then to tie it into the f- the fact that the women are in New York for Candy's um, play, Candy has several businesses. Candy is probably the wealthiest person in the Atlanta uh, franchise at this point, and um, has several businesses. But she had got the woman, the women of of the show, um, vibrating underwear. So in her sex toy, sex shop line, candy coated uh, nights or candy, candy, yeah, candy coated. I think it's just candy coated or candy coated nights. Can't remember. But anyway, she has her own sex toy line and um, got these women vibrating underwear. And she kind of encouraged the women to wear it as a part of the fun night out as they're going to the to the show to watch her play. And I thought to myself and I think I could speak for Marlo, Kenya, and possibly Sheree. I think Sheree kind of participated but didn't. She accidentally left um, the remote that's supposed to control these uh, these vibrating underwear for all the women in her hotel suite before they all left in their um, sprinter van to go to the show. Candy, we get it. You want to showcase all your businesses. Good for you. However... The context and the seriousness of what the play was about and the sex toy plug, let alone when um, Candy was giving out in the first episode of this season the invites to all the ladies for the show, if I'm not mistaken. And these uh, this, this couple, this guy and girl couple, who I think are actually workers of her um, old lady gang restaurant, had dressed up in this dominatrix outfit and i was like they don't correlate with like what don't you get so now asking these women to wear vibrating underwear en route to your play and then the vibrating underwear now is controlled by a remote control um and to make i think spice it up and make it interesting she had other people control uh, other people's uh, vibrating underwear remotes, like the remote to to to, to have the the um, underwear work, because the underwear, the whole purpose of the underwear, for those of you who don't know, is supposed to give some sort of like pleasure, so to speak. And it was just cringy AF, like cringy, cringy, cringy. Um, let alone they had uh, for the housewives who are married that had their men 
um um en route to the to the play with them because they did so like uh, candy brought todd obviously uh drew brought ralph and then uh sanya brought her husband and i'm drawing a blank on his name right now but her husband was there and uh all these men were able to participate in the vibrating underwear component of the other women that's just cringe so not only is it not on theme with your play having other people operate your your sex toy is weird like it's just this should be intimate private maybe if it was just all the girls then it was like a like you know sleepover slumber party type of vibe maybe but even that cringe i'm not having any girlfriend of mine let alone any other boyfriend of my friend engage in any kind of sexual play like that that's just all kinds of wrong that is candy in the sense of she's very comfortable and has spoken about her sexuality and her love and all of that for that let alone she has a business dedicated to that bedroom candy i think that's what it is what candy coated nights i think is her um youtube her youtube uh segment in relation to her bedroom candy so i got the names twisted but all this to say cringy 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 and if you know you know you watch the episode yikes it was all kinds of wrong but the highlight or let's say low light so to speak of the episode but highlight in the sense of the probably the most notable point out of anything that happened this last episode was the fact that sheree's boyfriend tyrone who is uh, supposed to be able to now travel to see her in New York, couldn't make it. But then they had made plans to meet in Philly. Uh, Post the next day of this play, they drive out, uh, rather, Sheree in the Sprinter van with the production cast and crew of Bravo, drive her to Philly. She goes to this restaurant and waits over two hours for Tyrone, all for it for uh, uh, for her to be told rather that he won't be making it because it violates some sort of parole agreement that he has because uh, he's out he's out from uh, from and being incarcerated. Chris, yeah, I can't speak. I'm sorry, guys. Incarcerated. He wears an ankle monitor, and I think he's only allowed to travel in a hundred mile radius or something like that. And there's all this messiness uh, with regards to that, but. Uh, all this to say he didn't show up and her and him have been in this relationship even whilst he was incarcerated i think for at least i think we're pushing a decade so it's crazy to know that like we for all of us that have been fans of sheree and rooting for her and her finding love and like i guess this being with tyrone for all these years for all of us to not get to see him on camera let alone get to see her be happy with him on camera on her on the show one and i like to say her show because she is the og housewife of one of the og housewives of atlanta it was nice it would have been nice to see that all come full circle for her and it didn't so you have her sitting at that restaurant waiting for him for over two hours then production breaks the fourth wall lets her know that he won't be able to make it because it violates some sort of parole agreement that he has and it kind of wraps up there kenya kind of gives her a facetime pep talk to kind of like you know soothe her but it's like to say and i think now she's really questioning if this guy is the real deal for him for her now and it's like oh my god she's dedicated all these years to this man for all of it to kind of just go south is just really really sad so that's my atl recap so moving into beverly hills my gosh beverly hills had so much to give i mean wow like when i tell you drama right out of the gate 
right out of the gate. It is one of the reasons why that uh, Beverly Hills is one of my favorite of the installments. It, it's always giving right out of the gate. Super, super good. Um, I definitely think that um, it's definitely going to be an emotional season with just the right amount of drama. It's giving all of that, which is great. Uh, it starts off this very last episode with uh, Garcelle and her sister as uh garcelle shows um her sister we never met her sister before but we got to see her so that was nice to see a nice softer personal side of garcelle and kind of getting into her life a little bit outside of the ladies she gets a malibu uh house that she purchased uh, and um you know it, it it was super it was super nice to see that interaction with her and her sister as she purchased this malibu home and she's planning to flip it and do all the renos on that and uh, we see her kicking it up with her sister so that was super super sweet to kind of get into another highlight for me was that um diana and kyle had a sit down at kyle's house um and diana kind of i think the biggest thing with diana being a new housewife this season is that um people are questioning how relatable she can be because i think I don't know if she is, but I want to say that Diana being a new housewife to the franchise is probably also the richest housewife on Beverly Hills right now, dare I say. So the problem is, is that a lot of her, uh, her, um, so to speak, her isms, if you will, her way of being, it seems very out of touch to the average watcher because we get it. We know these these uh, these housewives live a very luxurious, luxe life. But then there's another component where it's like Diana's like next level. She's flying on private jets. She has like Versace designing her home and all of this and Gucci and whatever. She does not go shopping at a regular store like Target or whatever, or even like boutique shops. She has designers that really like her send her clothes directly to her home. I mean, she has uh, her crew and entourage vet out any place she's staying at. Like, for example, when Kyle had her um, her store opening very recently when they were uh, initially, initially, I think, I don't know, where were they? I don't even remember. I feel like they were in Mexico. Then they came back to LA and now they're or back to Beverly Hills rather. And now they're back to Mexico. I'm very confused about that. All this to say for Kyle's, um, for Kyle's uh, uh, clothing line relaunch or whatever have you or new season launch. Um, Diana, for the place that she was staying at, because she did not stay at Kyle's, uh, Kyle's home out there. She got her own uh, a suite at a hotel nearby and had her whole crew vet the room like she had secret service, like she was the president of the United States or something, scope the room to make sure that there was nothing of dangerous nature in the space prior to her arriving at the space because she her thing is she always sends her crew to fly before her get to the location before she lands to make sure that it's safe and set up feng shui up so to speak to the way she likes it in order for her to join in there and i thought to myself wow again that's not the average person's life <laughs> so I think a lot of us are finding it very hard to kind of relate and see a softer side of her. But the conversation that she had with Kyle about losing her her baby after five months, a baby boy, was super relatable because I feel like women's health and uh, miscarriages and uh, you know loss of loss of a baby and things like that, those things aren't necessarily talked about 
to a great extent or to exhaustion, so to speak, especially with all the con- con- conflict that's happening in and around the United States with abortion laws and things like that and all these women's reproductive rights. It was nice to see that side of Diana come into play with the, the fact that she, you know, she was able to get pregnant again after having her, 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 her daughter. I don't know if it happened before or after her daughter, but she has mentioned that she wanted another kid. She had had uh, been pregnant for five months, lost the lost the baby and it was a very um a very tumultuous pregnancy a very scary pregnancy and it was nice to see that softer relatable side of her so i'm glad that she we she was able to sell to to not sell but rather serve that to us as the audience and let us tap into a more mellow part of her lifestyle as opposed to the grand over the top granditure lifestyle that she's accustomed to living that's nice and all but what's great about these housewives that we know that they have all this lux but they definitely have some relatable moments like family issues you know marital issues marital woes that wasn't really what we were getting from diana the first two episodes until now so there's still promise we'll see her being a new housewife it can go any which way we'll see i do i did really thoroughly enjoy that moment um lisa another sad point lisa losing her mom lois her mother was such an entertainment and a joy to watch on the show lisa rena's mom so rest in peace lois she passed away i believe it was november of 2021 so you know having that kind of uh, tribute to her in the show and having lisa kind of recap her last final moments before lois had left um left this earth it was nice to kind of see that moment and that softer side to lisa as well because i was gonna get into it that um you know lisa's accustomed to kind of being circled in and around the drama which she's never not but it's nice to again we get to um, extract the celebrities or rather these housewives from this drama and get to see these softer sides of them so um a lot of uh, a lot of these real housewives have um, their family members uh, kind of appear on the show. Lois was definitely a staple over the seasons of Lisa being there. I don't think there was one season that Lisa Rona uh, wasn't on as a housewife that Lois didn't appear for until this season. So it's really nice to have that tribute to her. May she rest in peace. But the topic of topics of topics of topics at hand right now, the circulation of the drama is this whole Crystal versus Sutton feud. My God, there's so many layers to it that I'm not even going to be able to get into all in one segment for sure because it would literally be a whole podcast worth. But um, just to kind of tie it up, the women have now decided to take Dorit upon her offer. As we know, Dorit's been going through a lot of her own trauma and difficulties after the season started off with her home invasion. And then uh, last episode before the one that aired on um, on uh, Wednesday night was having her talk to PK about this idea of just kind of getting a getaway to kind of take herself out of Beverly Hills and just kind of break away, have fun with her girls, these housewives, and kind of, you know, change scenery, change vibes, cleanse the aura type of deal. So the vibe was to go to Mexico. Uh, um, Diana flew them all out on her on her private jet. And now they've touched upon down in Mexico. And lo and behold, uh, this Crystal versus Sutton feud that's been going on and on since literally last season, literally. So it's, we're talking over a year old of information. Sutton seems to be 
uh, you know, in hot water yet again. It started with this season with uh, her kind of double downing or diminishing Dorit's, uh, you know, trauma from the home invasion, talking about that she has her own uh, woes to deal with, that, like, you know, her famous fashion designer friend was stuck in customs or immigration, had him up or whatever. There were some issues for him to get into the country of the U.S. <laughs> in time for her show. Oh, so tragic. Um, but now we have her again kind of being at the at the uh, at the center of all the drama so with that being said um all this to say if you guys remember from maybe i spoke upon it uh last segment or last uh last uh, episode but yeah basically um uh, Sutton and Crystal. The drama with that is that um, Sutton had made a comment um, last season at the top of the episode two when because uh, Crystal was a new housewife then as well. They were getting to know each other and whatever. And uh, again, long story short, Sutton had made the comment about um, not seeing color. And as I had explained to you guys, that's a very problematic thing to say. Um, it's just really like it's inappropriate and on so many levels for someone to say that they don't see color is just you're a part of the problem essentially but then uh you know crystal and Sutton have yet have then have since become rather really good friends and hang out and vibe and everything's all good but find themselves this resurfacing kind of i'd say pivoting off of uh dorit's drama and issue and the fact that i guess um Sutton uh, being kind of uh, uh, not sympathetic about that. I guess Crystal kind of alluding that it's kind of par for the course given the fact of how she and the group of girls treated her last season with her trauma and issues. And this whole thing has now bought, boiled down that there was more that was left, uh, the more that was um, unsaid about all of that that, um, that never made it on camera last season. A very quote-unquote crystal's words dark things that sutton were saying that sutton had said last season that never made it to light that were just i guess in crystal's opinion awful however no one really knows what it was that was said kyle allegedly at the time was the only one in earshot to even hear this exchange between crystal and sutton go down it ended up coming out later in the episode that actually Kyle wasn't present for whatever uh, Sutton had exchanged with Crystal being so dark and horrible and terrible because the narrative that all the ladies keep saying that Crystal's projecting is that Crystal's choice of words tends to kind of blow up a matter a lot bigger than it needs to be. Her saying that it was dark or bad or whatever other adjective she's used has always come off of um the situation between her and, and and Sutton and the conflict that they had had last season seems to be way worse than what it actually was especially coming off of the fact that they had kind of I guess in Sutton's mind put things to bed but for whatever reason Doreen's trauma has now triggered um uh opening up this can of worms for Crystal and it almost comes off like Crystal really never got over it she decided to maybe sweep it under the rug kind of bury the hatchet make nice with Sutton then they the seeming seemingly on socials and everything and both of them have respectively said that they've put it past them 
clearly not. It has now become a topic of conversation this season, yet again. So, honestly, it's getting really, really old. I'm overhearing about this drama for the mere fact that, like, Sutton's thoughts on what Crystal might be alluding to that was so dark, quote-unquote, that the ladies are now discussing about now rehashing at uh, dinner their first night in Mexico is that Sutton has always encouraged her daughter to, um, I guess, quote-unquote, cultivate friendships with people from various backgrounds. I think the exact point at which this kind of came up was that... um, some summer barbecue that Sutton was throwing at her house for her daughter and her friends. They were chilling in the the, the, um, the hot tub or jacuzzi at her place. And uh, Sutton was kind of out looking on the girls having a good time in the jacuzzi, her daughter and her friends having a good time. And she happened to kind of, I guess, notice the fact that um, all her daughter's friends are from multicultural backgrounds. So there's an Asian one, there's a black one, a white one, whatever have you. And Sutton's like, that's just great. She loves to see it. I guess Sutton kind of trying to prove her point that she is not a racist person because I feel like that's the crooks of it all that maybe um, with her not seeing color and having to kind of quote unquote retract that statement or modify it, if you will, to make it sound nice along with the fact that... Um, now she encourages her daughter to kind of cultivate, you know, uh, relationships with people from various backgrounds. Like she has uh, set in herself. It, it, it gives off that maybe for I kind of understand Crystal's point of view to a certain extent that it comes off like maybe it's it's unnatural, so to speak. But honestly, truth of the matter is. There was nothing dark about what Sutton had said with regards to that aspect. I could see how even the not seeing color thing being problematic as a black woman hearing that from a white woman. But the idea is that it's it's an opportunity to educate people, but it's also another way of kind of, you know, making the situation, you know, quote unquote, make sense for for everybody. It's a it's a teachable moment. It's a learning lesson. Uh, I can understand how Crystal might have been in her feelings at one point about hearing that because again, but I have to always come from a place that maybe this person just doesn't know, genuinely doesn't know. But to, to, to allude that there was more that was said and that it was so dark and it comes off that there's like a really negative spin as to more in-depth conversation that was had on this matter between Sutton and Crystal and then Crystal won't share it. Sutton's confused. All the ladies are confused. Us, the viewers, are confused. It's like, what was said? What was said that was so, quote-unquote, dark that it was just like, like, no way. I can't even say it. Mum's the word because it's just that bad. I'd love to know. Hopefully, we get more information and more clarity next week's episode. But all this to say that um, it's very upsetting to know that... um, this is even even being blown up to this this magnitude especially because they made their pieces with it respectively crystal and sutton so now that it's become a topic of conversation and cringy as anything pivoting off of dorit's trauma i understand these these ladies like to talk about their own personal traumas in this group and i get it but it's like 
it just seems like why are we doing this like it just it doesn't feel like it's necessary it feels like it was something that was discussed last season leave it in last season especially if you guys are saying that you've made nice and that are friends now and if it is something that you haven't resolved this being crystal it's not something that you've gotten over um of it all maybe have a separate private conversation i don't even think it was worth bringing on camera i know the reason why they save a lot of these uh, dramatic moments is for us to see on tv because we're we the audience are invested in watching it i feel like this is a storyline that could just be done like it, it it so doesn't serve the purpose let alone being blown out of proportion to the magnitude that it has been it's absolutely ridiculous and then the the uh the the flip side to all of that is that crystal's problem has never only ever been with just sutton i feel like it's collectively been all the women she's feel like the women have not had her back in moments like that where she was having those conflicts with sutton and all the drama that transpired last season and whatever have you it comes off that like you know crystal and these ladies just don't vibe and just don't get along so for me is it safe to say that maybe crystal doesn't belong in this circle of people let alone on the franchise i feel like you know from my understanding teddy mellencamp who is a former real housewife on beverly hills and no longer is there it's kind of the one that kind of tried to get her in this circle to be on the show well teddy's not on the show herself maybe that would have genuinely been crystal's only ally but the fact that teddy is no longer on the show not quite sure why crystal is i know crystal knows these ladies kind of so to speak maybe they run the same social circles but that's about it it's always nice when these ladies have a genuine friendship on the show and even to a certain extent outside of the show we know the fox force five that consists of erica lisa rena uh kyle uh teddy and dorit they're genuinely friends on and off the show so it makes the show watching the show with these ladies minus uh minus teddy because she's no longer on the show it makes the, the 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 friendship feel organic and relatable and interesting to watch because yes reality tv comes with its bouts of drama for sure but there has to be said something's gotta give seeing these genuine friendships in nature and the premise of what the show was supposed to be about in nature is nice to see when it plays out on the show when it's not relevant or um being showed and featured on the show it loses interest of the audience let alone myself let's speak on me very quickly it's like okay already <laughs> like if you guys are not genuinely friends and you genuinely don't like being around each other and you don't feel that you guys are here to support one another why in the world would you like circle yourself with these people like on a fairly regular basis or for the purposes of the show why is your mental health not matter is it does does the check that i guess uh the real housewives and bravo going to give you that worth it for you to have to put up with these ladies like if i was them or if i was crystal in this moment i would respectfully like dip out you tried it one season it was rough you were able to be renewed for another season i think a lot of us expected crystal to kind of open up a little bit more but we're getting the same the same energy from crystal that we got last season so it's just like enough already i'm over it i'm sure everyone else is over it and of course i can't leave uh i can't even leave this episode without talking about uh, erica oh my miss erica jane 
when does this woman not take the opportunity to make it about her like she's also now taking the drama that is Sutton and Crystal and then whenever Sutton has a feedback or rebuttal for to kind of redeem herself as a good person and a do-gooder and a genuine good real friend and uh you know kind of giving her um her point of view on the matter with Sutton uh, with Sutton sorry with Crystal and sharing it with the ladies and trying to kind of redeem herself essentially because she's kind of being villainized so far this season Erica is like chuckling laughing interjecting being like nah 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 that's not you because we all know that Sutton and Erica had at it last season and all the drama that unfolded uh with them and the demise of their friendship it's crazy now that Erica keeps trying to insert herself in this mix of yeah you see Sutton's a bad person she's doing it to other people see you see you see and it's it's freaking annoying it's like we can't anymore with Erica I would be really guy without without Erica I used to love Erica but when this whole lawsuit thing with her and Tom and and you know widows and orphans and all that mess happened then like like all the like money embezzlement scams all these legal legality issues is just it was team too much. It took on a life of its own and all the stuff that has been out there for us to read about the whole lawsuit and uh, misgivings that's happened to see that she was living this lavish lifestyle for all the seasons she had been at up until last season to now quote unquote, I guess, humble and ground herself this season. She has been the voice of reason for the last couple of episodes. Don't get me wrong. So there are some good elements with Erica, I can't deny. But when she starts making it about her and her her plight, it's like, can we like not? It started off with, with Dorit's drama this season. Then somehow it curtailed into Crystal's trauma. And now we're trying to make it about us, Erica Jane. It's like, stop it's like no it's not about you right now you are not the focus and center i'm sure the ladies will definitely tap tap into the legal lawsuit issues with erica still i don't think it's going to be a point of contention or a point to highlight too much as much as it was last season because things kind of have simmered down a little bit if you will on erica's issues but i know it's not over so they're definitely gonna have conversations they're definitely gonna talk about it but in this moment let this crystal and sutton thing be about crystal and sutton and not about you oh my gosh i can't with erica anymore with that and that pretty much sums up my moment of uh my moments or highlights rather of um uh, beverly hills that were just worth speaking on and last but not least dubai second episode of dubai aired and i mean honestly the women have some pretty relatable moments i can't lie but is it giving like beverly hills level atlanta level any other of the installment level drama no kind of like salt lake city and apparently allegedly orange county orange county is one of the ones i do not watch so i can't speak on it but i heard oc flop this season and Dubai is can't say it's heading in that direction it's too soon to say the women are glamorous gorgeous beautiful and I'm very intrigued about their lavish lifestyle and everything that's coming for this installment however it is it has a little bit of snooze fest vibes okay so just to quickly recap from what I could pull from the second episode that I liked was that uh, I absolutely love. So for me right now, I think Lisa and Sarah are my favorite of the Housewives of Dubai right now. 
I love that Sarah is instilling her cultural traditions to her son, but also keeping up with like the um, uh, American traditions, if you will, that she's instilling in her son. So the fact that like, you know, a man's place can be in the kitchen too he can do many things men have emotions all these little things and her son is either five or six years old so i'm happy that she's kind of making sure that um there aren't there aren't any gender role specific things that only women should do and only men should do love that i love that also being from the cultural muslim background that she is you know those things are very um traditional and retrospect to that culture and religion and to many cultures if i think about it but we also kind of want to make sure that we live in a day and age where that doesn't have to be it's not necessarily breaking cultural tradition like there is a part in the episode in the beginning of the episode that um shows like the cultural traditions of them you know having lunch and dinner and they're supposed to be seated on the floor i know her son wasn't really about that (laughs) he prefers sitting at a table which is super cute to see him kind of engage with uh with his mom sarah there but like all that to say is that there's some cultural traditions you can absolutely keep but this whole thing that men do this that men are the breadrooms men 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 and then women are the stay at home quote unquote housewives that's the thing that i love about the real housewives franchise is that none of these women are your traditional housewives in any which way shape or form i can't think of one installment that has these women being uh like your quote-unquote traditional old school 1960s housewives that's not a thing it's just a loosely used title i think because apparently the concept was was a lot of these women were married you know they showed that their family life to and uh all those components but there is elements in which these women are wealthy these women have businesses they're boss bitches they are entrepreneurs and it's great to see so I love that she's instilling that in her son to know that um, it's not just a a, uh, a woman's place to be a quote-unquote your old 1960s old school housewives and that men are the breadwinners and men rule above all. So that was a great element to see for that episode and uh, having all those modern components added on and kind of sprinkled in with the cultural traditions that she has in her family unit um what else can i really say uh yeah aside from that super cute moment i would have to say that just the interactions like you know between like you know um caroline and lisa at dinner and you know the fact that they both consider each other to not or themselves respectively to not be fake but yet in their confession it's the confessionals that are giving for me so far with these last two episodes the actual interactions of the housewives together so like caroline and lisa at this dinner then uh there's a moment where lisa's shopping because it's kind of it seems to be like it's thanksgiving in dubai right now or it, it, it was filmed maybe around american thanksgiving time and it's a thanksgiving episode and that um what was it lisa is shopping with her youngest son for um groceries to make a jamaican american thanksgiving style dinner and she's on the phone with nina and nina's like talking her ear off you know the interactions with all these women and whatever it's like they're having all this oh yeah kiki everything's all good and then the confessionals bring out the real truth and these women seem to kind of be faking your back and nice to your face 
we're still getting to know them so it's hard to really speak too 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 much on it they seem that they have relatable friendships though to a certain extent i don't know that your friendships should ever be consistent of anything of being fake of course not you know that that shouldn't be the case but i like to say that these this group of women on dubai definitely give aside from lisa and ayan's friendship i'd say the rest of the women and the interactions they have with each other are very acquaintance-like friendships they make me believe that their version of this installment of reality tv is that in and of itself authentic they're very much acquaintances they run in the same social circles they hang out for the sake of the tv show they make nice but i don't know that all these women hang out when the when when it's not filming time when the, the we're off camera they're off production you know cameras aren't rolling but that's it they really i feel like serve what the show is supposed to be in that concept these women that share the same social circles and we get to see day in the lives because when they're not with each other and we're just seeing their their individual lifestyles very relatable very on point seeing them interact with their families trying to get like you know the culture norms and narratives infused into their children you know preparing for a marriage that stanbury's preparing for her uh her her third marriage i think it is her second marriage if i'm not mistaken and that being her whole topic and focus too you know seeing uh ayan and hearing about her struggles with her her family and her all the cultural norms back in kenya it's hard to really speak about the dubai women at this point because they're still so new and so fresh and i still feel like we haven't really scraped the surface of what we're really going to get into this season of dubai so we'll see if it's really a hit or miss overall once the season's over but it is nice to say that dubai is giving the glam the glitz the fashion like i'd said last episode but more so I feel like how they move and the way they interact with each other is very telling of, you know, what it's really like in all the franchises. I think a lot of the franchises it's very rare that all of them have genuine friendships and connections off filming. I feel like some of them do. And then what drives us crazy, I can say, I think I could speak for a lot of people, the audience, that it's it you could see through the fakeness, which puts the authenticity into question altogether. I feel like Dubai is giving us how they really are with each other, how they really are on screen and then off camera. Yeah, because the way they talk about each other in these confessionals, like this one's fake or this one's my god, she's exhausting, she's boring, she's this and that and the third. I feel like that's super on point for what I envision all these uh reality TV shows are like when they're on camera versus when they're off camera. Or in this case, they're not off camera, but they're in their confessional, so they're not with the person in front of them so they can really tell us in the confessionals how they really feel. Until the ladies watch it back and the reunion time comes and that you're like start bashing each other because it was like oh to my face you said it like this but in the confessionals it was completely different so it's going to be very interesting to see the reunion of Dubai once it wraps up but uh yeah that's all i could see on Dubai right now just because like i said it's still it's still new it's still fresh they're still treading a little bit of you know light waters i didn't dive deep into the drama like all the other installments and i think that's just simply because it is a new show Uh, they have a lot to live up to too because it is the first i believe bravo produced show that is international 
I want to say the Real Housewives of Toronto and Vancouver were produced by Bravo as well. But to say that it's international, I think you, it's safe to say that Canada was international. I don't know, but Real Housewives of Toronto and Vancouver flopped very early on. I think they both respectively had two or three seasons. I watched both of them and they weren't great. Can't lie. I want them to do maybe more in Canada. There are other states. Toronto and Vancouver would be the cream, the cream of the crop. But I can think of Montreal, you know, uh, you know, maybe another uh, another place in Canada. I'm not quite sure. Maybe Nova Scotia get like a... Uh, uh, primaries maritime type of primaries I say primaries maritime excuse me spinoff for Canada but uh, yeah Toronto and uh, Vancouver flopped very early on in terms of international quote-unquote installments done by Bravo it's gonna be very interesting to see how Dubai lands because right now it's a little slow creeping there's there's some 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 moments but it's a little slow all this to say guys thank you for tuning in and listening i've rambled on enough and uh you know the whole thing circling back was the authentic authenticity of reality tv i think it's something that we can speak about and speak on like to no end i'd love to be challenged on it and get your thoughts at some point so for those of you who are listening reach out to me let me know your thoughts on a topic like this or any other topics you want to hear me talk about but uh yeah until next time love you guys peace out